Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Good morning. This is RP3 and Company. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are broadcasting live from the game studios here in Upper Lafayette. You can also catch us on the simulcast on Stadium Network 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber here in Acadiana. Woo! Already got my hair cut. I'm ready to go. I'll be headed out to Chicago this morning right after I wrap up the show because I'm going to morning show boot camp. That's why I went ahead and got it high and tight. Whew. Ready to go. Ready to roll. Ready to learn. Ready to get better. Ready to maybe do some push-ups live on the air. No, that's, 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 that's not happening. It's not that type of boot camp. <laughs> We got a great show lined up for you here this morning. Three guests. We're talking all things LSU, fall camp, gearing up for the season with the mad dog, Ron Higgins from Tiger Details. The award winning columnist is going to be joining us at 7 30. At 8 o'clock, the former UFC interim lightweight champion, title contender, and Lafayette's favorite son, Dustin the Diamond Poirier, will join us talking about his upcoming fight in his career. That'll be at 8 o'clock. And at 8.30 from ESPN, she covers the New Orleans Saints for the four-letter network. Kat Terrell will join us to talk all things black and gold for the Big Easy Blitz. So three great guests lined up for you this morning. We're going to dive into Raging Cajuns fall camp, McNeese fall camp as well, and of course, New Orleans Saints. Houston Astros, we'll touch on that. Another loss of the Chicago White Sox in a game they probably should have won this time. White Sox get to Justin Verlander late. We'll recap all that action for you as well. But we're going to do something a little bit different here this morning on RP3 Income. Typically, we wait to unveil the foodie poll question of the day, and I feel like, you know what? That's what we're going to lead off today's show with. We could break down the Strohs losing to the Chicago White Sox. We could talk New Orleans Saints training camp, joint practice with the Green Bay Packers, where defense shined. They looked really good, got after it. Or we could talk about the news for our friends in Lake Charles. It finally happened in Lake Chuck. The news came out yesterday that Lake Charles is finally getting themselves a Whataburger. It's happened. 
is happening. Waterburger is coming to the Chuck. Finally happening. It was announced yesterday by Hankins Development. We're excited to announce that we've sold a portion of our property on Country Club Road in Lake Charles across from Trinity Baptist Church to GVCS Incorporated, a franchisee of Whataburger. Whataburger's going to return to Lake Charles for the first time in over a decade since leaving the market. What? People been wanting it. People been missing the Whataburger. Our friends in Lake Chuck have been needing it. Now it's going to happen. No timetable yet on the actual how long it's going to take to construct said Waterburger, And it's not as if they're having the grand opening today. Even though I feel like once there is a grand opening, possibly we could be over there to do a live remote from Lake Charles for the excitement of having the Waterburger opening up. That leads us to our foodie poll question of the week, which is always our poll question of the day every Wednesday. It got us thinking. Folks are excited about Whataburger in Lake Chuck. So what's your favorite fast food burger spot? Ooh, could be a debate. We got three good options for you, three national options for you. Of course, the fourth option is other with your comment. Feel like we're probably going to get some old school burger time answers here. Maybe some Wendy's. But your options, Whataburger, McDonald's, Burger King, or other. And we're encouraging you to leave your comments and vote for other. I already hear Steve Wiley. It's my first segment of the show and I can hear him chuckling from the hallway about the foodie poll question of the day. This man says, I know I'm not going to be doing traffic right now. I'm going to eavesdrop on what's going on on the game. Not to worry, Steve. You will be brought in later to discuss burger option. What's the go-to fast food burger? Some people are very adamant about these, this type of stuff. Sometimes you go to a certain fast food restaurant and like their smaller burger or one burger tastes a lot better than maybe their bigger burger. Can go all different types of ways here on the foodie poll question of the week, which is our poll question of the day. What is your favorite fast food burger spot? Is it Whataburger? Is it McDonald's? Is it Burger King? Or is it other Leave your comment below. Right now, 47% of you say other, 33% say Whataburger, 13% say McDonald's, and 7% say Burger King. Already getting a flurry of votes and a slew of comments already. JPK, the OD, a man who does not hesitate to vote on a poll question, especially when it pertains to food, it says fast food, supersonic bacon, double cheeseburger, extra mayo and pickles. Judice in for a local joint. And he shared uh, an amazing, an amazing gif of the burger just over and over again. Ton on Twitter says, why is it just six o'clock and I already want lunch? 
Damn you, the game. Damn you. LOL. Ooh, bonus. I could use Steve's saltiness to season my fries. <laughs> Tad on Twitter says, I'll take five guys as a fast food burger. I That could be a debate, right? I love five guys. All the five guys locations I've been to don't have a drive through window. So that's more of a sit-down burger joint, just like Judice Inn, right? That's a sit-down burger joint. It's not fast food burger. But that, that is a tasty burger. Tad also goes on to say, but I'm not sure how fast it is without a drive through so water burger for speed. The other sacrifice quality for speed. Hashtag speed never slumps. Ton says, okay, okay, checkers, yes. Oh, man, I've had some good checkers slash rallies. It's the same place, depending on what part of the country you're in. Good checkers burger. Used to get the NASCAR combo back in the day. Ooh. Probably should have ate as many of those as I did. Hart says, jack in the box, and then drops a gift mo- uh a gif of dropping the mic. Marcus says, is the goat. That's the Whataburger patty melt. Oh, it's so good. It is so good. It's so good. Now, when I was a kid, growing up in Mobile, it was always between Burger King and Whataburger. Didn't have Jack in the Box at that time. Not around there, at least. Whataburger, just the, the 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 basic Whataburger when I was a kid. That was really good. In Burger King, old school Whopper. See? You're welcome. You're tuning in. You're like, I'm tuning in for some good old quality sports conversation from RP3 and company. And now we've gotten you all types of hungry. You're welcome. You're welcome. Once again, the foodie poll question of the week, which is our poll question of the day. What is your favorite fast food burger spot? Waterburger, McDonald's, Burger King, or other? We want you to leave your comments below. Share those memes. Share those gifts. Get after it. The more, the merrier. That's what I say. Woo. Good start to today's show. We'll have Steve on later. The producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, will chime in. We'll have our weekly foodie poll question roundtable discussion, as I like to call it. Breaking down the fast food burgers. Right now, the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, is in no mindset of talking about food. She looks a little stressed. So what happens when you have to put up with the big, bald, and beautiful one like she does every day? It's a chore. It's a chore. I mean, I just looked at all of the audio that we have between LSU, McNeese, Saints, and Cajuns, and it fills up almost my entire board. Good. We give the people what they want. Yes. We're like the go-to fast food joint, but for sports talk radio, for all of Southwest Louisiana. Basically. So the menu is loaded, is what you're saying. Yes, the menu is very much loaded. There it is. 
All right. Number twos and number sixes for you. (laughs) Lots of number twos and lots of number sixes, he says. All right. Go vote on the poll question of the day. It's our foodie poll question of the week. Leave you comments. We will update that and we will share it throughout today's show. But when we return here in RP3 and company, we're going to talk New Orleans Saints training camp preseason joint practice yesterday with the Green Bay Packers. We'll talk about that coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Camara bobbles it at the 20. He reels it in and he's got the ball. What a catch by Camara. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And you're home for the NFL. Yeah, sky's been past that because just oh, every, everybody we got, you know, in the back end, we got the linebackers, the front end, we got everything we need, you know, to be a dominant defense. We just got to go in, you know, in every week and just do what we got to do. So I feel like so we can take it wherever we want to take it. It's all on us. Marshawn Lattimore talking about the potential for the New Orleans Saints to be a dominant defense. And he's not wrong. Look at what they have. Up front, Cameron Jordan, David Onyemata, Marcus Davenport when he's not cutting off part of his finger and being injured. Peyton Turner. They expect big things out of the second-year pro out of University of Houston who they took in the first round. Linebacking core. Demario Davis, Pete Werner. Then the back end. Lattimore, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Paulson Adebo, Tyron Matthew, Marcus May, Vontae Taylor, who they took in the third round from the University of Tennessee. They have a whole lot of dogs on that side of the football. Now, they had a joint practice yesterday up in Lambeau. They're playing the Packers on Friday night in the second preseason game of the season for the Saints. And they got after it. All reports are from John J. Hendricks and Luke Johnson and others, Ross Jackson, who were there witnessing the practice. It was all led by defense, by both teams, but in particular the Saints' defense. They pressured, they got after Aaron Rodgers, they got after Jordan Love. They dominated. They batted away balls, they lined up against the wide receivers so much so that Rodgers got frustrated with his wideouts. Good. I love when the teams do the joint practices. Because it's one thing to practice against each other. Remember the Saints would always do this with the Patriots. It's one thing to do that when you're practicing against yourself. It's another thing when you line up against another quality team franchise in the NFL and you're getting after it on the practice field. And Dennis Allen, former defensive coordinator turned head coach, talked about the benefit from him, from his perspective, of getting to have a full-on practice with the Green Bay Packers. This is a team that's won 13 games the last three years in terms of uh, really regular season, so they – They've been one of the better teams in our league, and they're they're good on offense. They're good on defense. They're good in the kicking game. So, arguably, one of the best quarterbacks to play the game. So, 
it's it's just a good challenge. You see some different looks, and so our guys, particularly the young guys, you know, get a chance to see some some different things, both offensively and defensively. So I think that's I think that's the benefit we get out of it. So they do get to you get to see different schemes, you get to see different personnel that you haven't seen during camp. This helps your development, specifically with the younger players. Now we talked about how salty this defense is. You heard Lattimore talk about how dominant they can be. They added the Honey Badger, the former LSU Heisman finalist, Louisiana legend. Still has something in the tank, still has something to prove. And he was asked afterwards after what was reportedly a dominant performance by the defense in practice, he was asked how he felt his unit did against Aaron Rodgers and company. I thought we left a few plays out there. You know, it was a couple times, you know, tip balls. You know, uh, we had a chance to, you know, make a play on it. We didn't. Um, but for the most part, I thought we communicated well. And I thought we did what we needed to do. We also noticed this throughout camp. Not only is Honey Badger one of the new safeties that they have. Remember, Malcolm Jenkins retires. Marcus Williams signs the big, huge contract to go play for the Baltimore Ravens. So... Not only did they bring in Honey Badger, they also brought in Marcus May from the New York Jets. And Honey Badger talked about the chemistry that's starting to develop between he and his fellow safety. Yeah, it's growing. It's definitely growing. It's definitely coming along. You know, it's a process, you know, just trying to understand the system and, you know, where we fit in, you know, in the system. And so, uh, you know, I feel good about where we are. The sky's the limit for sure. Honey Badger brings a lot to the table for this defense. You already had dogs on there, right? Jordan, Demario Davis, Marshawn Lattimore, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. But Tyron's different, right? He's built different. He walks into a room. He commands it. And Marshawn Lattimore talked about that yesterday, about what stands out to him about what Tyron Matthew brings to the table. Just his quickness, awareness, just his, his ability to pick up, you know, on the offense quick, you know, so... That's just what I like out of, of a safety. You know, he, he really know how to go get it. So, yeah. So, Matthew and May are going to be on the back end. You still got P.J. Williams that can be used at corner or at safety. Chauncey's going to be in the slot. Sometimes they're going to line him up in a traditional safety position, or sometimes they'll just have him track the wide receiver. So, they're really good. But the big standout with all that veteran leadership with all that veteran experience on the defense the guy that's been standing out been balling out during training camp and during preseason has been Paulson Adebo he's been the star looks like he's taking that step in year two for the New Orleans Saints and Lattimore made no bones about it you gotta watch out for his guy Adebo just his approach well, he always, you know, he was a dog back, you know, uh, last year. But this, uh, you know, you can see he matured a little bit and with everything, his technique and everything. So, you know, you be on the lookout for Parsons for sure. They have a lot of confidence, and they should because this defense is loaded. Obviously, have to stay healthy. That's always an issue with any team in the National Football League. But this team's going to be led by its defense. It plays with a, a level of swag a chip on their shoulder, it's infectious. They add Honey Badger, they add Marcus May, they add Taylor in the draft. You expect big things from Peyton Turner year two. He's been challenged by Cam Jordan. Marcus Davenport hopefully will be healthy. 
I expect big things out of the Saints. That defense is going to be top 10 nasty. Let's head out to the game hotline. Welcome on Chris to the show. Chris, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Hey, good morning. Yeah, definitely that Saints defense, I I think they've improved. Um, I want to talk quickly about the Saints, about the preseason game, but first I want to touch base on Miles Brennan. You know, know, um, when I saw that he had decided to step down, I was, I was, man, I was upset. I said, you know, when he issued the statement that he was coming back, like from the movie The Wolves of Wall Street, I'm not leaving. This is my home. It's going to take a wrecking ball to get me out of here. I ain't going nowhere. Well, he did what was best for him, you know, and I, and I think that we – I think what happened was he knew that he, would, he was going to be third string going into this year. And um, it just – you know, it was. You felt like it was time to call it quits. So, I also think, Chris, to... Chris, and I'll let you get to your other point, brother. But I also think yeah. this is a good thing for LSU. And, and I think Brennan also said, you know what, this isn't going to work. You know, I'm going to be the third string guy. Him stepping away is actually a good thing in regards of now it's a two man race with two guys with similar skill sets. You let them battle it out and. Walker Howard now can get some necessary third-team reps to further his development along the way. Brennan stepping away actually I think is going to help the development of the other three guys because now you don't have to siphon off reps in practice leading up to the season in three weeks or less than three weeks. Those reps can now be divvied up amongst the other guys and help make them better. Right. Okay, and and then the Saints – one of the things I wanted to talk about real quick, one of the bad things was uh, Trevor Penning. I know I know that it was just the first preseason game, but he, he just got straight up beat. I mean, one-on-one by guys that, you know, shouldn't be doing that. So I hope, I hope he, he improves a lot. And then the other thing I want to talk about is uh, Andy Dalton, the quarterback position this year. Hey, how, how many years has Andy Dalton signed to? Do you know? I think it's just a one-year deal, right? Yeah. Maybe, okay. May, okay. May, so year, maybe a team option for the second year. Maybe I'd have to look it up. Well, what I'm, what I'm, what my point I'm getting at is, you know, Winston's only on a two-year deal. Both of these guys have played for teams that have, you know, they they've had other guys come in, and then Dalton had Joe Burrow and then Tom Brady, obviously with uh, with Winston. But don't be surprised. Do, mark my words. Do not be surprised if Winston, if, if Winston struggles early in the season. And I hope he doesn't. I hope he has great success. But I truly believe that Andy Dalton could be what the Saints need. Somebody to, um, you know, make good throws, a veteran quarterback, uh, to be smart. And uh, the guy just seems very confident. And uh, thank you for taking my call. That's the points I wanted to make. Everybody have a great day. Chris, appreciate your phone call, brother. Enjoy your day. Thank you. Look, I'll touch on a couple things there before we have to take our timeout. One, Trevor Penning, I wouldn't be worried. It's one game. You knew him coming out of college. If you if you looked at the scouting report, run blocking was going to be a strength. Pass blocking, in particular pass blocking against NFL caliber talent, was going to be the adjustment. I've said it on the show before, Teron Armstead had the same issue. It took him a while to figure out how to pass block in the NFL. And once he did, he became a franchise left tackle. Trevor Penning has that potential. Will he realize it? Well, we we don't know. You have to wait and see on these things. That said, they're set, right? They they have James Hurst, who they believe in, 
who's been a good spot starter, he can be your bridge left tackle. And if Penning develops during the season, great. If he doesn't, that's okay too because you got a reliable guy to line up at left tackle. There you go. I expect Trevor Penning to be the sixth offensive lineman this season, learn how to play at the NFL level, learn how to deal with those bull rushers and those guys that use the spin moves that gave him problems in the first preseason game. As for the Andy Dalton deal, producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names brought it up. She found the research. Andy's on a one-year deal for $3 million guaranteed, and it's worth up to $6 million with incentives. And I also think the Saints brought him in for that exact reason that you brought up, Chris. They brought him in because they wanted a reliable, dependable quarterback that could come in and keep winning them games. Andy's not going to lose you games. He may not win you a lot of games. Like He doesn't have the talent or the skill set just to take over a game. He never has. Love the Red Rifle. Love playing. Love seeing him play at TCU in college. And he's had a good career in the NFL. You just want a veteran backup quarterback to be able to come in and do the job. Keep it moving. He is a vast upgrade over Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill and Ian Book from last year. So much so that I would not be surprised if they only carry two quarterbacks this coming season. Winston and Dalton. Ian Book seems like maybe bound for the practice squad. Good stuff. Good phone call by Chris. Keep those phone calls coming. We'd love to hear from you. Hotline is open as always. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. When we return here on RP3 and Company, We'll keep the football conversation rolling right along as we're going to give you the latest from LSU fall camp. Brian Kelly and company. That's coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 is known across Acadiana as a master of the English language. You look at all the guys that they got. Clinton Anukoraru, oof, and I don't know how to pronounce this young man's name. TJ Falola. More like a master of broken English, that is. They also added an inside linebacker, Casey Wasawi. These names are killing me, man. I even practiced <laughs> last night. Me fail English? That's impossible. Now back to that silky smooth delivery of RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, college football season is going to be here in no time flat. You're going to be reading all, oh, root on the LSU Tigers, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, the McNeese Cowboys. Sundays, you'll be there rooting on the Saints. Why not do that in style? Why not do that in style? Have your setup, your man cave, your outdoor living space where you love to entertain. Make it the envy of neighborhood. Make it the type of place that second cousins that you haven't spoken to in three years all of a sudden hit you up and say, hey, cuz, I'll be coming over on Sunday to watch the game. That's why you got to reach out to my friends at Lafayette Marble and Granite. They want to earn your business, and trust me, earn it they will. You already know they do show-stopping countertops. 
your bathrooms and your kitchens. But you know what? They can take your man cave and your outdoor living space to another level as well. Go visit their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com. Live inventory updated every single Wednesday. By the way, that's today. Boom. Great products, all the services, they're there for you to check out. You know what? If you don't want to check out the website, you'd rather be face-to-face, stop by their showroom. It's located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford in the jockey lot. You can have everything that you want for your man cave and your outdoor living space. Just go visit my friends over at Lafayette Marble and Granite. Once again, the website's lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com and Lafayette Marble and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. Don't forget to keep voting on the foodie poll question of the week, which is our poll question of the day every Wednesday. What's your go-to favorite fast food burger spot? This is, of course, in honor of Lake Charles getting Waterburger back. Waterburger's been gone for more than a decade over in the Chuck. They made the announcement yesterday that Waterburger is coming back to Lake Charles. In honor of that, what's your go-to fast food burger spot? Is it Waterburger? Is it McDonald's? Is it Burger King? Or is it other? And we encourage write-in votes all day long. And if you want to share those gifts, get after it. We talked a little New Orleans Saints training camp joint practice, how the defense balled out yesterday up in Lambeau as they practice against the Packers. They'll be taking on the Packers in their second preseason game on Friday night. But let's talk a little LSU. Miles Brennan has now stepped away. I say that's a good thing. It's a good thing for the two quarterbacks that are now battling it out for being the starter. More reps for them. Also, more reps for former St. Thomas Moore Cougar star, Walker Howard. He'll run the third team now. Who's going to be the guy, though, for Brian Kelly in year one? Is it going to be a joint situation? Is it going to be a situation where one guy starts the season as a starter and then and the other guy then takes over throughout the season, depending on how they perform? Lots of question marks about the signal caller position for the Bayou Bengals. Is it going to be Garrett Nussmeyer or is it going to be Jane Daniels, the Arizona State transfer. Got to hear from both of them yesterday during camp. That's right. LSU giving access to quarterbacks involved in a battle. I know. That typically wasn't the case the last few years. Things are a little bit different under Brian Kelly, by the way. Nussmeyer had some experience last year. Got some much-needed playing time. And he talked about what he learned from this past season being thrown into the fire like he was. I mean, it was definitely an interesting season. You know, a lot went on, especially being a true freshman. But I learned a lot from the past staff, from Max, uh, from Miles. You know, I learned a lot from those guys. And, you know, I'll cherish some of those moments and some of those memories, you know, from my whole career. I've told you yesterday. I don't believe the coaching staff was prepared for the progression of Nussmeyer. That's why they made sure Miles Brennan got out of the transfer portal and stayed. That's why they got the kid from Arizona State. Because they thought Garrett's got potential, but he's not quite there. And from all reports, for those who have covered the team there in day in, day out, everyone was kind of caught off guard by how well he progressed during the spring, and that's carried over during the summer. And... 
Garrett was asked, what has he been working on this past summer to make himself so much better? Learning in different situations, being in different environments. You know, I'm a coach's kid, uh, so my father's been in the SEC a lot, so I've been in the, the uh, as crazy as the environments can get. You know, I've been in Tiger Stadium on the opposite side, and I've been in the swamp. You know, I've been in all these places, so I wouldn't say that, you know, the moments were too big for me, but I learned a lot of just, you know, being on the field and, and zoning in on that situation and not worrying about everything else going on, so. We forget that. That matters. He grew up around the game. He grew up around college and pro. He's been on the field. He's not a situation where he's a 19-year-old that's never been under the lights inside a stadium where there's 100,000 people. He grew up around that. So even though, there's a difference between playing under the lights and being under the lights on the sideline with a sideline pass. I understand that. But the nervousness and the anxiety that comes with being in that environment he doesn't have to deal with because he's already been conditioned because his father's been a longtime coach to deal with that. We forget that about Garrett. That's why part of me feels like he should be the starter. I, I know a lot of people feel like it should be Jaden. Him needing to continue working on the footwork would give me pause if I'm a Tiger fan. Because you look at the stats and you're like, okay, but that was in the Pac-12. Jane Daniels was not facing SEC defenses. Just wasn't. And the footwork's an issue. I don't know. The coach's kid, the kid that plays with Moxie, he's got a bit of a gunslinger mentality, right? People have described him as that way. And he was asked about, you know, are you actually trying to get away with being named a gunslinger? Yeah, I mean, that's something I've said before. Um, I think it got lost in translation a little bit, um, you know, as far as, you know, I'm still take shots and uh, any quarterback should, you know, when, when they're given to you, though, I think is the biggest thing that I've learned is uh, take them when they're given to you, take them when you're supposed to take them and um, just continue to lead the offense and move the chains is what I've been taught my whole life. The kid's not timid. He's got confidence. I've said this over and over again. I would much rather have a kid, a guy, on my team that's not afraid of chucking the ball than one that's too reserved. I would rather have a guy that has the immense amount of confidence to be able to make all the throws. Because here's the thing. That guy's going to win you games. He may, he's he's going to commit turnovers. It's going to be maddening at times. You're going to be like, oh, my God, what's he doing? Oh, can't believe he did that. And then the next series, he's going to turn around. And he's going to do something sensational. I always, every time, every single day and twice on Sunday, I want the guy lining up under center to have that dog in him. Garrett Nussmeyer has that in him. He doesn't care. He's not afraid of getting hit. He's not afraid of making the throws. And the fact that he's worked on his game, he's gotten better? Hello. That's what you want. That's what you need. And no offense. I, look, I was rooting for Miles Brennan. I was rooting, you know, no offense to TJ Finley or Max Johnson or those guys. Nussmeyer's got a little bit more dog in him than those guys do. Whether or not that Results in wins for the Tigers this year? I don't know. But he's got that it factor. You like that. Because I can tell you something else. 
the huddle, the guys on that team, the guys in that locker room. You know what they you know, you know who football players respond to? The guy that goes out there and's got a bit of a dog in him. They respect it. They may not always agree with him. They may not see eye to eye with him, but if the quarterback's got a chip on his shoulder and he goes out there and he puts it all on the line for his team and he's got confidence that he can make all the throws, that's the guy that they'll follow every single time. But there's another guy in this quarterback competition, isn't there? Jaden Daniels, Arizona State transfer, working on the footwork, which has been a big deal for him, right? And... He's been trying to progress as well, and all reports are that he has been. He's gotten better since being under the tutelage of Brian Kelly. And he talked about not only Kelly, but what the rest of the team has been doing for him since he arrived on campus to help him improve and help him become a better quarterback. Not just me, but keeping all the quarterbacks on our P's and Q's. Um, you know, uh, we have a great room. Uh, it doesn't matter who's going to start here. I know that we all helped each other prepare the best that we can, you know, to go out there and help the team win. So for me personally, just come here and teaching nuts and them the things I have, just in case, you know, they are the starter, that they, they can learn from older guys, play some, some years, you know, they're great players, uh, great guys. So uh, really just on that leadership part. He also understands that this is a golden opportunity for him to continue his career. But nothing's given here because he's, he's in a battle with Nussmeyer to be the number one quarterback. And he admitted yesterday when he spoke with the media that, look, you always, no matter where you go, no matter if that's Tempe, Arizona, where Arizona State's at, or if it's Baton Rouge, you got to fight for yourself. I mean, it's always, you know, no matter where you go, it's always the better than yourself. You know, I, I know what I present to the table. It's, at the end of the day, you know, like I said, it doesn't matter who they start. You know, I, it's a great quarterback room. It's one of the top quarterback rooms in the, in the country. So, you know, we got talented guys all around. So I just want to help prepare them, help them prepare me, because at the end of the day, whoever they call to be the starter, that's going to be the starter. I don't think LSU can go wrong either way. It's a transitional year for the Tigers. Ten wins is not really in the realm. I think they're probably going to be an eight-win team. I'm a little bit higher on LSU than some of my fellow media colleagues were at SEC Media Days. I think they're going to sneak up and beat a team that they shouldn't beat. If I'm Texas A&M, I'm worried about LSU at the very end of the season. When I just look at the schedule, I go, eh. If I'm Jimbo Fisher, I'm a little worried there because by that time, the team will be rolling and really finding itself. That's not the time that you want to face an LSU team that's being taken over by Brian Kelly. But it's a transitional year. I don't think they can go wrong either way. I really don't. They both have similar skill sets. If I had to choose, I'd probably go with Nussmeyer. That's just me. But I don't think you're going to go wrong with Jaden Daniels, especially with all the weapons they have in that wide receiving core. Oof. But the quarterback play isn't going to matter if they haven't fixed that offensive line yet. The offensive line was trash the last two years. Let's be honest. It was awful. If they haven't fixed the O-line, it doesn't matter if it's Jaden Daniels, Garrett Nussmeyer, Joe Burrow, Burt Jones. Does not matter. They will not succeed. 
So offensive lines got to get fixed before the quarterbacks can succeed. We got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number one when we return, give you an update on that poll question of the day, which is our foodie poll question of the week. What's your go-to favorite fast food burger joint? It's in honor of Whataburger coming back to Lake Charles. That news came out yesterday. We'll talk about it coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Uh, football season is here in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to crown you the tailgating king with the ultimate tailgate giveaway. Powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. You can score yourself $500 to Chops Specialty Meats. Watch out now. A new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to LSU and Louisiana Raging Cajun football games, and so much more. Enter in the game rewards club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway. Powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. Let's check in on the poll question of the day. It's our foodie poll question of the week. What's your favorite fast food burger spot? Right now, 41% of you say Whataburger. 36% say Other. 13% say Burger King. 10% say McDonald's. JPK, the OD, for the win. Burger for breakfast. My man's eating burgers for breakfast. Shout out to him. He's living his best life. John Paul Cajun Daddy says, Dave's triple at RP3 Sports. How could you leave out Wendy's, the best juicy square burger around? I do enjoy a good Wendy's burger. Absolutely. Darren says, none of these places are fast. After you've just waited 10 minutes in a car line thinking about what you wanted, then ordered your food at one, number one window, you finally pay for your food, and they tell you, sir, pull up to the yellow line, your food isn't ready yet. Oh, that can be a discussion we can have for another day. Because <laughs> that is absolutely, absolutely the truth. Obviously, Checkers. Ralph says, probably Checkers because of their fries. Love Whataburger, but not really fast. Wendy's also beats Mickey D's and Burger King, in my opinion. And Frosty is a bonus. Frosty is a good bonus. During football season, the Raging Cajun Burger from Sonic is really good. It is really good. I wish they had that year-round. Doug says, the place I visit the most is Burger King. Love those burgers and fries. Brandon Leger says, more vaunts in Youngsville. Judai Sin shouldn't count. They don't even serve fries. What a disgrace. People get so angry about the fries, man. Oh, Martin says, can't beat the Raging Cajun Burger from Sonic. Just like the Cajuns, it's awesome. Keep those votes coming on the foodie poll question of the week. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything. Everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. 
Saints training camp, joint practices with the Green Bay Packers. Raging Cajuns fall camp underway. McNeese fall camp underway. Houston Astros battling it out with the Chicago White Sox. Southsiders came to play in this series. Got to Verlander. He got the no decision. They get a win last night. Have now taken the first two games of that series. Say what? Say what? And of course, there's the foodie poll question of the day. Of the week. Of the millennia. That's what we're discussing here on RP3 and Company. Coming up. Half an hour from right now, we're going to dive back into LSU football, the Miles Brennan's decision, who's got the upper hand in the quarterback competition with our guy Ron Higgins. The mad dog himself from Tiger Details will join us at 7.30. Also, an hour from right now, former UFC interim lightweight champion of the world. Top contender in the lightweight division. The pride of Lafayette. Dustin the Diamond Poirier is going to be joining us, talking about his upcoming fight and his career. Also, we'll talk about his charity. And then later on, hour and a half from right now, from ESPN, she covers the New Orleans Saints, Catherine Terrell will join us, talk about the black and gold. But let's start there. Let's start with the Hoodats, if we will. We heard a little bit from Lattimore and the Honey Badger about the defense, how dominant they can be. They apparently balled out in a big way during the joint practice with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers yesterday. Frustrated Rodgers. Got to him. Pressured him. DBs did a good job against their wide receivers. I've said it from jump. This team's going to be led by its defense. It's great having Michael Thomas back. It's great adding Jarvis Landry and Chris Olave, moving Taysom Hill back to the Joker role or to a tight end role. All that's great. Make no bones about it. But this team's going to be led by its defense. Its head coaches its former defensive coordinator. The wealth of talent and experience and the dogs they have on that side of the football is going to lead this team. But offensively, They could do some nice things. They really could. Tight end is interesting. It really is. Because you move Taysom Hill over there. Dennis Allen's made the decision to do that. They're still going to use him in the joker role, but he's going to line up primarily at tight end. He's getting the majority of his reps during training camp at tight end. No longer getting reps at quarterback. That's not what he's doing anymore. Sean Payton's not there. They're utilizing him at tight end. They also expect big things out of Adam Troutman entering his third year. Weird thing with him out of Dayton, he could catch the ball like a madman, didn't know how to run block in college. In the pros, he knows how to run block, can't be a consistent pass catcher. Year three is a critical year for Adam Troutman. So you got Taysom Hill, who's becoming a tight end, Adam Troutman, who you're waiting to develop into a pass-catching, consistent tight end. But then there's also intrigue with Jawan Johnson. Remember last year, he was a bit of a factor, an X-factor early in the season. Had a couple of really sensational touchdown grabs from Jameis Winston. But even before Winston got hurt, Jawan just kind of disappeared. 
just all of a sudden he's lost into the ether, never to be heard from again. Struggles with the playbook, struggles with some other things. But he's been showing out during training camp. And Dennis Allen said yesterday how much Jawan Johnson has improved from last year to this year. Well, look, I, I think he's really improved his blocking. I think we've always felt like there was a talented receiving threat at the tight end position with him. But I think you've really seen an improvement in his understanding in terms of what we're doing from a blocking standpoint and really just kind of the fundamentals and technique of it. He's also, I think he's a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger right now than, than where he's been in, in, in the recent past. So I kind of like where he's at. So he's adding something to his game, understanding the playbook a little bit more, understanding his responsibilities, making him more valuable to the team, that he's not going to be a liability. The tight end room intrigues me, how they're going to be utilized. And is it, I feel like it's going to be tight end by committee. You're going to have some games where one of the tight ends is going to lead the group with like three or four catches. And then he won't do that again for like the next two to three weeks. I feel like it's going to be tight end by committee this season for the Saints. A young man that's been kind of showing out a little bit is the undrafted rookie wide receiver out of Nichols, DeJon Dixon. Now, we've heard a lot of people speak highly of him. Mike Dettelier thought he should have been drafted. He wasn't. He's been balling out. He's on that undrafted rookie contract. which means he doesn't cost a whole lot. Could he find a way to sneak onto the 53-man roster? Probably not. He's probably going to be a practice squad player to begin the season. But Dennis Allen's been impressed by the young man. Well, look, I thought he he did a good job in the game the other night, particularly from a receiving standpoint. You know, I didn't think his special teams was particularly good, and so that's an area that he's got to improve on. But I, I felt like as a route runner, his ability to catch the ball, I thought I saw a lot of the same things I've been seeing. He's going to have to earn a, a, a roster spot on the 53-man by doing special teams. That's what Dennis Allen's telling you right there. Oh, he looked good. He did good things offensively, running his routes and catching the ball and all that. But he wasn't very good on special teams. That's his way of letting you know Dixon's path to being on the 53-man roster is improving his special teams. That's why I say he probably begins the year on the practice squad. Dennis Allen also gave us the latest update on Michael Thomas, when he's going to be fully back, and everything else. Yeah, look, I, I think i got to go look at the tape a little bit. You know, Everybody asks me about Mike Thomas all, all the time. When the ball kicks off for real, Mike Thomas is going to be ready to go, and I'm excited about that. So, he's excited about that. I, I've said this. Even if you only get 85% of Michael Thomas this season, you got to take it. He may never be the guy he was when he was the best wide receiver in football. But 85% of that, he's still a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. You take that all day long. And you've added Jarvis Landry and Chris Olave now too. It just helps. Adding that extra just helps lots of buzz about the saints they have some intriguing things going on there currently right now up in lambeau in lovely wisconsin 
But they have some interesting things going on. They really do. And I know a lot of teams, a lot of, not teams, a lot of national media people may not be very high on them. They think the Saints are going to regress. This is a team that had four different quarterbacks playing last year, had no Michael Thomas, had to deal COVID not once but twice, and still nearly made the playoffs. The roster got better. This team's a playoff team. It just is. Houston Astros, Chicago White Sox battled it out last night on the south side of Chicago about uh, less than a mile from where I'll be staying, actually. When I go up for the morning show boot camp, fly out this morning for that. Will I possibly try to catch a game tonight if I arrive on time to see the Astros take on the White Sox at a ballpark I've never been to? Being a lifelong baseball guy? You already know the answer. Stroh's, though, they fall 4-3 to three to the White Sox. Second straight night that they've let a game slip through their fingers that they should have won. White Sox take an early one nothing lead, but the Strohs respond, plate two runs in the top of the third, add another one in the top of the fifth, and you head to the bottom of the seventh, and this team is leading 3-1. to one. But the White Sox get two runs in the bottom of the seventh, another run in the eighth for the 4-3 victory. Verlander pitched well for the most part. Went seven innings, gave up eight hits, three earned runs, only struck out four. It wasn't his best work. He gave up that double that uh, brought in a run there in the seventh. Wasn't his best performance. Sheets got that double to right. That scored a run, but then another run scored on an error. But then the bullpen, once again. Another night of the bullpen getting tagged with the loss. This time it was Naris. He only pitched the one inning. Gave up two hits, one run, earned, also walked a batter. Is there more pressure on bullpen pitchers? Absolutely. Because there's no room for error. There isn't. You have to come in the game and be perfect. That's what's expected. That's why so many relief pitchers come off their rocker, so to speak. Of course, I'm referencing Atlanta Braves legend for all the wrong reasons, John Rocker. Or Mark Wohlers, who had a mental breakdown. Relief pitchers are the kickers of baseball. They're a different breed. Verlander put them in a bad spot. But when you bring in a guy to come in and say, okay, our ace got out of the jam. It's a tied ball game. We're handing the ball over to you. And you come in and you promptly give up two hits, an earned run, and walk a batter. You're not doing your job. Another loss by the Astros. Another poor performance by one of the arms in the bullpen. Is this going to start being cause for concern 
if I'm an Astros fan. Because for the longest time, for a long stretch of this season, they had the best bullpen in baseball. Last few weeks, they have not been the best bullpen in baseball. They've had miscues, missteps by multiple different pitchers. Now, this happens during a season. I'm not overreaction guy. Never have been. It's not how I'm built. But in the middle of August, and your bullpen is letting games get away from you, and you're losing games late, it's something to pay attention to. It's something to keep an eye on. And credit Chicago. They came to play. They're fighting to get into the postseason. They're fighting to make the AL Central, which I believe is the most competitive race, may not be the best division, talent-wise, but it's definitely the most competitive with the White Sox, Guardians, and Twins. They're going to battle it out for the next month. Because winner of the division may be the only team in that division to make the postseason. But credit the White Sox. Their pitchers did a good job. In particular, their bullpen. The starter gets pulled, and he's amazing. But he only lasted five innings. But their bullpen came in, and they used five different pitchers, four different pitchers. Each one worked an inning. And none of them gave up a run, and they only gave up one walk. White Sox were the better team last night. They win four to three. Astros fall to 75 and 43 on the season. Still firmly in first place in the American League West. Still firmly atop the American League overall with the best record. And the two teams will face off tonight, 7 10 there in Chicago. Strohs, White Sox. Of course, you can listen to the game live right here on the game. First pitch, 7-10. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll talk a little Raging Cajuns fall football camp. That's on deck. You're listening to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There are some hosts that talk like they know everything, but you don't have to worry about our guy, RP3. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. That's because he never knows what he's talking about. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Back to the show in the know. RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's right. Because once you become a member of our rewards club, you're going to have the opportunity to score yourself excellent prizes. That's right. Like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill or a $25 gift certificate to to Mabel's Kitchen. 
but you can only score that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's or the $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill or the $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen by becoming a member of our clubhouse today. It's simple. It's free. It's easy. So go sign up so we can help you with your date night blues. Visit 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Let's talk a little Raging Cajuns camp, shall we? Just like the New Orleans Saints and LSU Tigers and McNeese Cowboys, Raging Cajuns have a first-year coach, new coach at the helm of the program, and they're gearing up, and a lot like LSU and a lot like McNeese, there's also a quarterback battle. (laughs) There's a lot of similarities going on with the schools that you care about. But they're gearing up. Lots of positivity. Still protected to win the Sun Belt West and to play for a conference championship despite the level, the amount of talent that left via the transfer portal and the NFL draft. They had a scrimmage on Saturday. And this is what Coach Dez, the man in charge, the former Catholic High of New Iberia, turned all Sun Belt Offensive Player of the Year, turned assistant coach, turned head coach, There's a lot of hyphens on that business card for Coach Dez. This is what he had to say. His big takeaways from last Saturday's scrimmage. I like the response, particularly from the defense. You know, we started out really fast on offense. We hit a couple plays down the field, get them on their heels. um, And even when you get the ball down to the goal line, they bow their neck a little bit and make you earn it. You know, they kind of, like I said, got kind of knocked, you know, kind of knocked backwards a little bit in the first part. And then once we started getting to the situational stuff, they really competed well, and then it started to get to be really uh, a lot of back and forth. We carried a whole lot of offense and defense. You know, we put a bunch of stuff in from from spring, summer, into fall camp, um, and there's a lot of things in there. So, kind of by design, we carried more than normal and called a bunch of different things and let it eat and let them play. You know, with that being said, there was, you know, offensively, I thought we handled it really well. wasn't a whole lot of mental mistakes. Um, defensively, you know, we were in the right places. Some of the young guys were a step slow getting to the fits and things like that, which is to be expected. You know, when you get close to game plan, you start to narrow it down. So we were really pleased with the overall execution of the scrimmage and the way that they kind of handled everybody being off the field and just, you know, 11 on 11, let them. So they just let them get after it. When you're a head coach, you mix it up a little bit like they did and they, they throw different things at the team and they responded well. That's good. That, that tells you what their capabilities may be in a in-game situation when things go wrong, when they get burnt on an out route, or if special teams miscue or someone drops the ball on the turf. You like seeing that. You like seeing that. There's still a lot of veteran experience on this team. And we focus so much on the Cajuns' defense, Zion Hill and Trey Amos, Braylon Trahan, the former Acadiana High Star, and others. And it makes a lot of sense because there's a lot of good guys on that side of the football. But I tell you, one of the guys that really kind of stirs the drink for this team is Eric Gerrard. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a whole lot of expectations for him, right? You know, Eric is one of those guys that, you know, he came in here real severely under-recruited right um, out of high school came in here with a chip on his shoulder and with a work ethic to match it and from day one he's just been one of those guys that goes out there and he is I mean as competitive as, as they absolutely get 
his knowledge of the game is is way further than what you'd expect, you know, a college cornerback's knowledge of the game to be. He understands splits, he understands concepts, he understands the matches that we're doing in our coverages. And I think for him, you know, a lot of times the communication is inside out, right? From safety to corner. He has the ability to communicate outside in as well and get things on the same page. And I mean, he's constantly talking, he's constantly communicating with what's coming up, kind of coaching them up on what, you know, where we got to be, right? Fast to the flat, whatever the case may be. And he, um, he does a really good job of it. You know, his leadership is something that, that we value here. And I think for him, it's obviously he needs to go play really good. He needs to continue. I mean, he practices every day like a pro. I mean, that's, that's you know, that's that's why he's what he is. You know, I mean, you don't play Division One corner at 5'9 if you're not wired that way. And he absolutely is. So, I mean, his leadership has been really good for us. And he just needs to keep growing in that role because uh, I know he's going to go play really good for us. Eric. Trey, Braylon, and then Andre Jones and Zion Hill up front. That defense is that defense is going to be really good. It's going to be really good for the Raging Cajuns. Another guy that we don't talk about enough, and that saddens producer extraordinaire Hannah five names, is the punter from down under. Reese Burns he is an absolute weapon he can switch the field for this team in a heartbeat he's great got a big leg and he's accurate and Des talked about just what kind of advantage that gives the team having Reese Burns well I don't know if I've ever heard of a game-winning punt before until we played UAB a couple years ago and he actually hit a game-winning punt you know Reese is Reese is uh he's a luxury you know I mean to have he, obviously, his leg talent is there, all those things. He can do all kind of stuff with the ball. He can make it move however he wants. You know, Reese, Reese understands the game. He knows protections. He understands when he's got to speed it up. He understands when he can hold it. Um, you know, he understands that driving a kick isn't always the best thing. You know, I mean, and, and, and Reese has, has worked really hard this offseason. You know, I was kind of – I was messing with him when he first got here. You know, he didn't really understand how the weight room really made a whole lot of difference for him. And, uh, you know, if you see Reese now, I mean – He's worked really hard in the weight room, and, I mean, his leg is as live and as active as ever. So, yeah, having a guy like that is, I mean, you know, he's always a weapon. And like I said, I mean, shoot, he won a, he won a dang game for us, you know, at UAB a few years back. You can win a lot of ball games with a really good defense and a really good punter. So even if the Cajuns' offense is a struggle, whoever it may be that wins the quarterback job, and if running back depth isn't what it's been, and if the offensive line isn't where it's been, then the offense takes a step back. The defense and the special teams that this team has, it's good enough to win you seven, eight games. Just is. We've got to take a timeout. When we return here on the RP3 and the companies, our first bit of company will be joining us. The illustrious, award-winning columnist from Tiger Details, the Mad Dog, Ron Higgins, will join us talking all things LSU. That's next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. What a great Tiger. 
Half the week is in the books, which means it's time to talk Bayou Bengals with Tiger Details columnist, the mad dog himself, Ron Higgins. Here is Hold That Tiger on RP3 and Company. Miles Brennan is no longer with the team. That means it's a two-man race. It may have already been a two-man race from what we've heard to become the starting quarterback for the LSU Tigers. Who has the leg up? Who's going to be the guy? And what about Miles' decision? To break it all down for us is the award-winning columnist from Tiger Details, a man known as the Mad Dog, also Hollywood Higgins, and a man who collects amazing, colorful ball caps, Ron Higgins. Ron, good morning. How are you, my friend? I'm good, Ron. And you know, when the the Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville Cancun cap is on, Cosmel cap is on, it means just one thing. A cruise is one day away. Oh, we get you in before the cruise. Oh, Slip it in one more before football season. One more. Oh, that's a boss move. That, that's why you're the legend, my friend. You're able to sneak in a cruise before football season. I, I expect to, that, you know, I don't know if they'll name a starting quarterback before I, I get back on Monday. But I, in my mind, it's going to be Jane Daniels. You think you uh, – you all right, let's, let's start there. So – you think it's going to be Jaden, even with the footwork that they've had to work on and as much as Nussmeyer has progressed, you think they're going to go with the guy that's essentially a rent player for a year? Jaden Daniels has started every game of his career except for one when he was hurt since he was a freshman in high school. That's And if you're, you know, if you're scoring at home. That's, that's a lot. Fit, that's <laughs> That's 53 of 53 in high school and 29 of 30 at UCLA. 21 straight starts at UCLA after getting hurt as a freshman. You mean, yeah, you, you, you mean Arizona State, right? Yeah. Arizona State, yeah. 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 He, he, and he set out against UCLA. Uh, last year uh, against UCLA, about four weeks after LSU got hammered by him, Arizona State – beat him by a couple of touchdowns, and Jaden Daniels had 332 yards total offense. I really believe that his athleticism is will, will in, in the beginning, make up for maybe some passing inaccuracy. And also, I really believe in the fact uh, they may need him, that, that mobility and the fact that that in the spring, he was clocked at running 21 miles per hour one day. Uh, uh, he wasn't pulled over and ticketed on the LSU campus for speeding, but 21 miles per hour one day. And I think that speed uh, is going to be necessary for an offensive line that, uh, you know, is all, an all-new offensive line, which is still trying to find chemistry, or, you know, you hope they have it by game one. So I think early uh, athleticism and mobility wins out over uh, – Nussmeyer, obviously, has really come on strong. That's you know, but again, uh, again, I always thought Miles Brennan was a would be in the thick of things, but I guess he wasn't. But uh, I'm, I'm I don't blame the kid for doing what he did. You know, he he took one last shot at it. You know, he was talking to coming back. Uh, 
Uh, he came back because he he loves the school. Uh, you know, he could have transferred a couple of times, and he did, and he stuck it out for as long as he did. And uh, look, he fulfilled his obligations at LSU. Uh, he graduated. Uh, he won a national championship ring in the year where he had about forty. Uh, Quarterback about almost forty possessions, and, and you know, quarterback with a scoring possession in the in the in the Oklahoma semifinal game and in, in the playoffs. Uh, he has a lot of good memories, and then there's the fact that he had bad injury luck. So I don't think anybody can. Uh, the ones who are calling the people call mild Brennan's uh, quitters uh, obviously must be the most perfect people in the world because. Uh, you know, one day everybody quits. I guess you can call dying quitting too. So, uh, and if Joe Burr hadn't quit Ohio State, LSU would still be in the toilet with a football program, not having that 2019 uh, championship season. So I'm happy for Miles Brennan. He made, it's hard to make that decision to like say enough is enough. And maybe I shouldn't play, whether he plays football anymore or not, I don't know. But if he doesn't, you know, it's been a long road. He's been playing since he's about six years old, so good for him. I also think it benefits the team, right? I think Brennan making this decision now means that you don't have to split the reps as much, and you can let Walker Howard, who is going is going to be redshirted more than likely. He's the future, but guess what? Now he can get reps with the third team in fall camp and further along his development as well. This is a win-win in a lot of ways for LSU. It is a win-win, you know. And, look, Walker Howard still, can still get in his four games, you know. That's true. You know, it just just like Nussmeyer did last year. Look, Nussmeyer didn't figure to play last year, you know. Two, two, you know, two-man race, you know. You know, I mean, you know, uh, Basically, he didn't, he didn't. He just didn't think. He didn't think Nussmeier would, would play last year, and he ended up playing four games. Look, Howard's a, Howard's one injury away from those two other quarterbacks from being the backup. So, uh, I think yes, they do want to redshirt him, but I also do think that if, if they can slip him in somewhere to get some minutes in, they will. Uh, but you know, after you know, after. I guess looking at both these guys and going deep in their backgrounds, uh, I just, you know, and, you know, and God knows I've been wrong before, uh, except for being married to the same person for 43 years. I, I got that one right. Congratulations. Uh, Congratulations, bud. Uh, I got, got that one correct. So it was a good thing, but, uh, I just think in the beginning, maybe Brian Kelly wants, somebody with all that starting experience especially in college and that that athleticism maybe he he believes that kind of trumps the, the fact that you know daniels is you know is uh been working on his passing accuracy even i mean even, even though in arizona state he was at six about 63 percent uh uh he wasn't in the 50s like some past quarterbacks they started joe burrow so uh, I really believe that he, he, he's probably the guy just because of the sheer athleticism. But they, but they can win with Nussmeyer too. He's a feisty little dude—not little, but he's a feisty guy. And with a, you know, and think about both these quarterbacks. Just both are sons of, of coaches. 
the, the Daniel's Daniel's coach uh, was Daniel's father was his, was his offensive coordinator, and uh, and uh, and also thus uh, my of course his father has been a, a college coordinator and a pro coach for years. Uh, so both of those guys uh, have co- co- uh, come from backgrounds of dads as coaches. We're talking with Ron Higgins. He's the Mad Dog Hollywood Higgins, cruise ship expert and analyst, if you will. I mean, I think that's uh, that's another career for you, bud. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, you, you, you alluded to it when you were making your comments, and I want to touch base on this because, obviously, we focus so much on quarterback, even though it's a team sport. I don't care who's back there. Jaden Daniels, uh, Garrett Nussmeyer. It could be Joe Burrow. It could be Burt Jones. I don't. I don't care if they haven't fixed the offensive line. It does not matter. What have you seen and what are you hearing about the offensive line actually being serviceable in 2022? I think they've kind of to, to settle into a, a starting lineup they like, but I still like you know t- today they have a scrimmage and the media gets into a scrimmage, which is like the again. Uh, I'm gonna think I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand, you know, as I walk in, I'm, I'm gonna pause at the gate and at the, at the gate and weep a little bit, you know, like I, I finally reached the promised land again. I, I'm actually an actual scrimmage to watch uh, pre, a preseason scrimmage live instead of relying on coaches who are mostly lying to you about what's going on. Uh, I'm, I want to see the offensive line today. That that's a that's a major thing for me. Uh, in the spring, they in, and honestly, in the spring game, they weren't that good. Uh, against vanilla defenses and with the vanilla offense, they weren't that good. I mean, they came out and gave them a bunch of sacks early in that thing. So I'm really interested in, in, in today's scrimmage and seeing that offensive line, how well it has performed. And I'm, I'm trying to take into account that it's going against one of the best defensive lines in the nation. I mean, LSU's, the, LSU's two strengths of this team by far are its defensive line and its, its wide receiving core. And I'm really interested to see how the offensive line operates today. I mean, and, uh, and, and everything they do from creating running lanes to protecting the quarterback. Offensive line is an interesting development for this team. What about the running backs? Uh, I, you know, we, got, we know of one, but for the longest time, especially under Ed Orgeron, you'd have a couple of different guys. What's the running back battle looking like in camp? Well, I think I think John Emery Jr. and and Noah Kane, the, the, the transfer uh, from Penn State, kid from Baton Rouge, are, are clearly the top two running backs. Uh, I, I think they they can go four deep. Amani Goodwin and another kid who's uh, I can't really recall his name. It's pathetic that I, I can't recall an answer because he's done a, a really really good job. Came uh, uh, as a walk on, and actually he's LSU's. Uh, returning leading rusher, which is a uh, Josh Williams, uh, who does nothing but get first downs when he gets in games. Yeah, he's pretty effective. The, the lack of time he gets, I think they're 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 they're, they're running back core is fine, uh, even with that, even losing uh, Trey Bradford, who decided to quit again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think the running back thing is fine. I I, I said I said offensive line is is kind of what I want to see and I, and uh, to to see, you know, 
if they block well, if they have a good year, this team will have a good year. If this team, if they struggle, this team is going to struggle. I, I think everything else is locked down. I, I do worry about the chemistry in the, the in the secondary because uh, five of the top six cornerbacks they have are transfers. Uh, again, this this team's biggest key is like you is, is it, the their the thirteen transfers they picked up the. The, the, the 13 most prominent have to mesh pretty much in a hurry before the start of this season. And, you know, and listen, it, it really, it, it, it LSU goes in this, you know, people won't, won't believe this, but uh, LSU has a little bit of a disadvantage going to this opener. And the fact that Florida state has a game before in, in you know, week zero, before it plays uh, LSU, just like UCLA played Hawaii in Week Zero last year, that been a huge advantage going into that game against uh, LSU. They'd already played the game; they felt settled somewhat. It's also it's also a good feeling to to not go into a, a game feeling like you have to work out a bunch of kinks that you already been working. You know that that you have that already have a game in front of you that where you've kind of worked that stuff out. Uh, Florida State plays Duquesne. Uh, you know, I didn't even know they didn't even have a football team. I knew they had a basketball team because they once played LSU when Pete Maravich was playing basketball. I had no idea that they had a football team. But Florida State has that advantage of playing and working some stuff out against an inferior opponent, and LSU doesn't. And so this team needs to kind of hopefully come in with uh, a so a little bit of advanced chemistry this first game, but there's a lot of transfers. I mean, both cornerbacks will be, uh, you know, uh, will be transfers who came in. Probably, uh, probably one of the safeties will be a transfer uh, who came in or a freshman. I mean, and again, I mean, two of the starting offensive linemen are transfers. A lot of, a lot of new faces, a lot of new places, and. Uh, that's an early, the big, one of the biggest early season concerns is how how quickly can all these guys play together? And playing on the offensive line is chemistry is is, is like vital. But I mean, you've got to have the, the communication and know where all your each guy is. And uh, it's something that LSU never really got last year because of uh, preseason injuries and then problems all year. It's injuries all year. Mad Dog, appreciate your time as always. We'll get you out of here with this quickly. Only got about 30 seconds. What's your go-to favorite fast food burger joint? Whataburger, easily. There, there's not even – the second place is so far behind. So far behind. Whataburger. There it is. Bud, appreciate your time as always, brother. Enjoy your cruise. And we'll talk to you when you get back, my friend. See you. We got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number two here on RP3 and Company. That'll be coming up next. Give you an update on that poll question of the day. You heard the mad dog. He said, Whataburger. It's not even a question. Not even a question. Is that what you feel as well as your go to favorite fast food burger joint? We'll share that with you next, right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The Jordy Holberg Show, weekday afternoons from 2 to 4 on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. 
Delta Media is your home for thrilling high school football. That's right. This season lineup includes St. Thomas Moore on the game, 1037 Lafayette. Acadiana High on MeTV FM 97.7. Karen Crow High on Z1059. Southside High, the Sharks. Come back on Mustang 1071. The Vermilion Parish Game of the Week on 1063 Radio Lafayette. The St. Landry Parish Game of the Week on News Talk 98.5. And the Bar Bucks on the game. 1041 Lake Charles. Make sure to download the station's free mobile apps to listen to your favorite high school football teams at home or on the road. Delta Media is your home for high school football. Poll question of the day. It's our foodie poll question of the week. What's your go-to fast food burger spot? This is in honor of Lake Charles having Whataburger return to the Chuck. That news was announced officially yesterday after more than a decade away. Whataburger's coming back to Lake Charles. The people are excited, as they should be. That prompted our foodie poll question of the week. What's your favorite fast food burger spot? Right now, 40% of you say Whataburger. 38% say other. 11% each for McDonald's and Burger King. We've had a slew of write-in votes. Lots of votes for Sonic. Five Guys. But is Five Guys fast food? I don't think it is. Because it's not a drive-thru. Checkers and Rallies. Wendy's, of course. Great answers here. Some people said Jack in the Box. Others gave some local places like Judice. And once again, that's not a drive through It's not a fast food place, but Tasty Burger, Judice Inn, Twins. You can get a good local burger. No one yet on the Nostalgia Tour for Burger Time, which is reopened after being gone for like 20 years. Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming as well on Facebook and the Twitter. That's going to do it for our number two here on RP3 and Company. Our number three, hey, we're going to kick it off with a former UFC lightweight champion, interim champion of the world. He's got a big fight coming up. Lafayette's very own Dustin the Diamond Poirier will join us next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Our number three has arrived here on this Wednesday edition of RP3 and Company. We've had a good two hours so far. Covered a lot of ground. We've talked about New Orleans Saints joint practices with the Green Bay Packers and how defense balled out in a big way yesterday up in Lambeau. Once again, Saints' second preseason game will be against the Packers this Friday night. 
We dove into the Houston Astros losing the second straight game to the Chicago White Sox. Second straight game where the bullpen gave up the win. They'll get back to action tonight live from Chicago on the south side, 7-10 first pitch. You can listen to that game right here on the game. And we also discussed LSU fall football camp, Raging Cajuns fall football camp. We'll get to McNeese later on this hour. But right now, it's time for us to bring on one of the best mixed martial artists in the world. And he's right here from Lafayette, Louisiana. Lightweight, featherweight. He came up the hard way. Worked his way up through the mixed martial arts scene, getting to the UFC. He's got 28 wins in his career as a mixed martial artist. He's won 14 of those by knockout, seven by submission, another seven by decision. He's a former interim UFC lightweight champion of the world. It's our good friend, Dustin the Diamond Poirier. Dustin, good morning to you, brother. How you been, bud? Good morning, man. Thanks for having me back on, dude. I've been great. Staying busy for sure. You've been staying busy, man. You've been staying busy. So let's hey, let's go back because you've had a heck of a past few years in getting the interim belt, having high-profile fights, knocking out Conor McGregor. Uh, this late career resurgence where most guys get a lot of fame and fortune early on, you had to earn yours the hard way, so to speak. What's it like now being at your age having the type of career that you're having right now, having this moment? It just kind of, man, it's, uh, you know, the money and the fame and all that stuff was never the plan, but to be successful, to be one of the best in the world, that was all always what I was focused on. And, and then that other stuff comes, and that's just a byproduct of what my goal was. But it, it just it shows you, man, if you stay true to the path, uh, you know, stay on the grind, believe in yourself, pick yourself up after you, you take some 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 lumps along the way, uh, anything can happen, man. You know, and I'm still going strong. I'm 33 years old. I feel good. Hopefully I'll be announcing a fight soon, maybe this week, um, and fighting before the end of the year. And I still believe I can be the world champion. What do you know now when it comes to fight prep, when it comes to your training that you didn't know early on when you say you were like 20, 21, 22 years old? That's a good question, man. Over the years, it's uh, – I think even younger I knew it uh, when I was overtraining, when I felt burnt out. Because, you see, I go to these training camps, and I dedicate every day and every moment um, in preparation – to preparation for the fight. And when you do that nonstop, you know, I'm waking up running, going to the gym after, coming home, watching footage, going back to the gym, coming home, you know, staying up late, can't sleep because I'm thinking about the fight. You get burnt out. And on top of that, your body's beat up and stuff like that. And I always thought – one of the big things that uh, when I was younger was the more I worked, I thought if I was out working this guy, and that's partially true, but I thought if I was out working this guy, I was going to win the fight. But let me tell you what, man, the fight gods don't care about that. They care about who shows up on fight night and when that bell rings, who's prepared. And a lot of that is mental. So I, over the last you know few years as I've matured in the sport, I've been able to listen to my body and be okay with, with resting because that's just important as, as pushing as hard as you can the day before. Just kind of uh, balancing out the highs and lows of a training camp has been huge for me in the, in the past few years. A lot of guys are talented. A lot of guys are athletic. 
But a lot of this, to be a successful fighter, especially at your level, discipline has to be number one priority, correct? Right, yeah, for sure. Discipline and, uh, you know, accountability on yourself and, and you know, what, the, the the decisions you make. And there's a lot of things, man, especially in training camp. This Fighting is a year-round thing, but, you know, I can get a call and, and have a fight anytime. But when you're in training camp, you're really trying to peak your body, your mind, and, you know, there's a lot of distractions out there. How do you not get distracted? How do you not let the fame that you're experiencing now in the last three to four years in particular and the amount of money that you're getting and endorsements and everything like that, how do you allow that to not distract you and not get you off your game, so to speak, Dustin? I uh, I have a family to feed, you know. I'm not done yet. There's more work to do. You know, I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not done. That's it. That's just the way I do it. That's that's what keeps me from being distracted. You know, I have a little girl. I have a wife. Me and my wife plan on having another kid. I'm, I'm just not done yet. Do you believe the family that you have, your family, has been instrumental in your success as a fighter? Yeah, I know it has for sure, especially my – you know, my daughter, I was already relatively successful when my daughter came around. And uh, she kind of put fighting in perspective a little bit for me when I think about taking damage in fights. That's something I didn't think about before uh, I had a daughter. But my wife has definitely helped out with, with my career. I mean, since the, the jump, uh, you know, back in 2006 or 2007, I didn't have a car. She drove me to my first fight in Texarkana. Um, she's been there every step of the way. so and, and been an anchor for me, you know, instead of being out – Cutting up with my friends in the bars growing up, um, I, I went back home to my wife. You know, I got married at 20 years old, and I think that helped helped me with my success as well. We're talking with Dustin the Diamond Poirier, former UFC interim lightweight champion and one of the biggest contenders in that weight class, a world-class fighter. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. You have your strength which obviously is your wife and your daughter, your family, your inner circle. Having that, though, does that change your perception on how you deal with fights or what type of fights you take, rather? No, I still take the most dangerous fights. Uh, I can get because that's, that's what gets me excited. I have 46 fights. I've been doing this since I was 18 years old. You know, I'm 33 now. So when I do accept the fight, I want to be—I want there to be danger on the line. I need to be excited. Uh, it needs to be a—not that these other guys are at risk, but I need to be on my toes, if you know what I mean. I need to be motivated, and, and those dangerous guys is what what gets me motivated. Along the way, you know, you hold the black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You also have good boxing skills, and you were trained uh, by Tim for all those years. What part of your game, the actual fight game, have you learned to incorporate over the years that maybe you didn't have when you're first starting out going to Texarkana for fights? Uh, my defensive boxing, you know, I was all offense when I was young. Um, kind of stubborn, kind of just trying to hurt, you know. And, and I'm still battling that because that's just something I have inside that I just want to get in there and, and get these guys out, get these guys out of there. Um being more self-aware and responsible with my offensive boxing, uh, not being too crazy, and, and being defensively responsible. A bunch of small things um, with my aggression that, that has the double-edged sword. You know, you can win a fight, 
in a huge way, or you can be overly aggressive and run into a, sh- a shot you didn't see and lose a fight a huge way. So just trying to balance that out has been huge in the last few years. Stamina is always key for you guys, especially in the lightweight division, because those fights usually go the max, right? You guys go full tilt. How do you get your endurance up for a fight, Dustin? Walk us through it. What's your process like to get that endurance up to where it needs to be? Obviously, you know, every fight's different, but I have a great strength and conditioning coach back in South Florida um, who who puts out a a regimen for me, and every week we step it up. You know, it kind of has phases throughout the eight- or ten-week training camp that I do. Uh, You know, a lot of running, a lot of aerodyne sprints, and a lot of, uh, towards the end of training camp, a lot of sparring. And the, the thing with what I do is every practice, every wrestling practice is a hard push. So I'm pushing my cardio, pushing my limits. Um, <laughs> every uh, jiu-jitsu practice is a hard push, a hard scramble. So fortunately for me, like part of my preparation for the fight, not even looking on the fitness side, part of my preparation uh, technically is giving me a push in in that area as well. So I just have a good team and a good group of people around me in South Florida that push me hard, and, and you know I've come into these fights in, in top shape. Our poll question is about what's your favorite fast food burger joint. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, Dustin, you don't eat a lot of fast food hamburgers. <laughs> I would, I'd be willing to bet, right? That that's not part of the uh, your diet, so to speak. I I do enjoy uh, bad food, but for the most part, I have to keep my weight down. You know, I, I fight at 155 pounds, and the older I get, the harder that is for me to make. You know, over the years, my body has got denser bones change things change and you just kind of naturally gain weight you see in boxing the uh, boxers will fight four or five weight classes throughout their careers guys who have long careers that's because the body just changes so balancing all that i i usually stay pretty healthy with my food but there are plenty of times where at the end of a week you know i'll get burger or get a pizza and things like that um but if you, if you want me to pick one burger, dude, that's a, that's a tough one. There's a place in South Florida, if my weight's under control and my dietitian gives me a uh, – see, and this is another thing. We don't call them cheat days because it's not a full day. I'll get an earned meal here and there. That's that's what my guy likes to call it, an earned meal. One meal uh, at the end of the week when my weight and everything is, is good. There's a burger place called Charm City that's incredible out there in South Florida. But here in Lafayette, man, I don't know if you've ever – Nah, this is a chicken sandwich. If you've been to Viva La Waffle, they have some great stuff there. Brodus Burger has some good stuff. But oh yeah, I, I'll give you the underrated. This this is a sleeper. This is the dark horse of the competition. Vino's Pizza has an incredible hamburger, man. I don't know if people know that. People go there and get pizza. Of course, you're not going to look at the burger menu, but they're. Uh, I don't know what seasoning they're using or blend of meats they're using. You got to try Vino's hamburger. Oh. I've never, of all the times I've been there to, to to chow down, I always go with pizza. I've never gone with the burger. Next time I'm going, I'm definitely getting the burger. We're talking with Dustin the Diamond Poirier, former UFC interim lightweight champion. He's gearing up. Lots of rumors about what's up next for him. Keep seeing things. Keep hearing things about you and Michael Chandler targeted for uh, 281, brother. Well, what can you tell us? So you said you got something that works. It looks like you're going to get a fight in before the end of the year. Yeah, I'm definitely going to fight before the end of the year. That one's looking most likely. Um, I think he wants it. I, I want it. UFC wants it. We're just ironing out some details. And I, I do believe um, 
if everything happens the way I, I believe it will, you're going to hear a fight announcement pretty soon. Um, yeah, so stay on the lookout. I'm sure you're going to get an ESPN update on your phone if you have the app. It, it's going to happen soon, and, and I think that fight's going to come together. This is a tough sport. It takes a, a toll on your body, your mind, and your soul. But for you, Dustin, you developed a reputation as being one of the, the best tough fighters. And what I mean by that, you've won fight of the night or fight of the year multiple times. What does it mean to you to be regarded as one of those guys that it doesn't matter who the opponent is, you're going to give it your all and you're going to be an absolute monster in the octagon? I, t- I take pride in that. You know, uh, growing up watching these fighters, there were certain guys that anytime I saw their name on top of a, of a card or on top of a bill that I, I had to tune in, I had to watch. And I, that's what I always wanted to be one of those guys that when you see my name, you know you're going to get a show. Um, and I think over the years I have developed that. Uh, I'm, I'm proud of it, you know. Just like I said, I think it goes with, with the mindset of taking those tough fights, the dangerous fights, because I know it's going to be crazy, uh, but it's going to be worth it. You've accomplished a lot in your career, worked your way up, like I said, the hard way from humble beginnings. You held the belt. You've gone toe-to-toe. You've been called one of the best fighters on the planet. You knocked out one of the biggest stars ever in the sports history and did so in convincing fashion. What's left for Dustin the Diamond Poirier to prove? You know, I – I still believe I can be the world champion, the undisputed world champion. Um, but proving I'm the best is, is it. And by being the undisputed world champion, that's that's what that does. Uh, but I just want to continue to create a legacy. I want to continue to put my family in a good spot, put the community in a good spot, um, represent Louisiana. There, there's a lot of things left for me to do. Um, the goals that I've set that, that I'm not done with yet. Um that's just it, man. Just keep 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 it going. Keep the momentum going. Keep keep being a beacon of light for the people who, who whose voice isn't heard. And and you know, I have a good platform fighting on on ESPN and, and having these big press conferences and these big news opportunities to get messages across. And that's what I want to want to continue to do. You know, in September, me and my my nonprofit, the Good Fight Foundation, have a 5K with St. Jude's in Sugar Mill Pond. I'm, we're all looking forward to that. Um, you know, I, I plan on announcing a Thanksgiving drive, a Christmas drive. We just got through the uh, back-to-school drive. I just want to keep being good, keep doing good things, uh, putting good energy out there and, and helping the people with the platform I built. Let's talk about the the Good Fight Foundation. You know, you mentioned some of the things that you guys got coming up. You guys have done great things for, you know, uh, donating meals to employees of hospitals during the pandemic here in the Lafayette area. You've done a lot of charity work. What's the Good Fight Foundation? Uh, where can people go find out more information, uh, Dustin? And uh, where can they go to possibly, you know, make a donation and, and help out the foundation? Any info on the Good Fight will be at thegoodfightgroup.com. Also, it's the Good Fight Foundation on Twitter, the Good Fight um, Foundation on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, you know, I, I share information regularly on my social medias as well. But, yeah, it, everything can be found on across social media and at thegoodfightgroup.com. All right, brother, one more. We'll get you out of here with this. You got your own hot sauce. I mean, that's that's the most Louisiana thing ever, brother. When you have your own hot sauce, you know you've made it. 
Uh, just, you know, yeah, walk me through it, man. I, I have a bottle of it in my pantry as we speak. Uh, how did that come to be, and, and why is it such a cool thing for you to have your own hot sauce? I know you're really proud of it and you love it. Yeah, yeah I, being from Louisiana, hot sauce obviously is a huge thing, but um, I, I love cooking and I love food. Um, I love Louisiana cuisine, and the hot sauce came about. I always had an idea of being in the food industry somehow, or I wanted a seasoning at, at, at once. I just had a, a, a barbecue sauce. You know, I, I just had a bunch of ideas, and then at the beginning of the pandemic, being trapped in my home, it's kind of a birth of that opportunity there. I was usually training, running around state to state, doing different things, but I had an opportunity to sit down at my house for weeks and weeks when we were all locked down and, you know, uh, connect some dots and, and talk to the right people and uh, put this together. And that's really whenever the, the ball started, started moving. Dustin, appreciate your time as always, brother. Can't wait to find out the news. Uh, looks like hopefully you and Michael Chandler will be able to battle it out there at UFC 281. Know everyone back home here in Lafayette and Acadiana and Louisiana will be rooting for you, brother. Thank you so much for your time. Man, my pleasure, and I appreciate the support. That's Dustin the Diamond Poirier, former UFC interim lightweight champ. Man's accomplished it all. Been, he's appeared in video games, television. He's gotten big paydays. He knocked out Conor McGregor, not once, but twice. Guy's accomplished it all. He's held the belt, but you heard him. Even at the age of 33, he is ultra-motivated. He wants to be the undisputed lightweight champion. That's what he wants for his legacy, and that's what he's still working at and still driving at. Appreciate Dustin for his time. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. We'll talk a little McNeese football. That'll be next right here on the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Uh, the Arnorville Volunteer Fire Department is hosting a black pot cook-off on Saturday, September 10th. The cooking begins at 8 a.m. and the eating will start at noon at the Flower Auditorium in Arnorville. There's also going to be plenty of live music, including Gerald Grunig and Gentile Zydeco, Dustin Sonier, and Sweet Cecilia. For four, 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 blah, 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 breaking in the new tongue today on this Wednesday edition. For more information... About the Black Pot Cook-Off, visit www.arnavillefire.org. Got to make sure to get that done. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. Whew. It's time to talk about the foodie poll question of the week. It's our poll question of the day every single Wednesday. And this one's inspired by the news that came out yesterday. It was made official. That Whataburger was returning to Lake Charles more than a decade after leaving. It's official. Whataburger is going to be back in Lake Chuck. People are excited about it. And that prompted us to create this poll question. What is your favorite fast food burger spot right now? 39% say Whataburger. 39% say Other. 11% for McDonald's. 11% by for Burger King. 
Lots of votes for Sonic. Lots of votes for Wendy's. Lots of people talking about local spots that aren't drive through fast food places, but still great burger spots. Checkers rallies also mentioned in all the comments that have been left on this. But now it's time for us to bring in a man who is obviously a burger expert, the legendary voice <laughs> of many things. Mr. Steve Wiley. What's Good your go- morning. Good morning. What's your go-to burger spot, fast food burger spot, bud? Fast food? Fast food burger. Other. Well, what's the other? <laughs> My kitchen. That's not fast food. No, is there a drive through right, window at the Wiley Casa? Yes, of course. Well, we could probably arrange that. The way I was driving Monday, I tell you, oh, boy. Had a rough day Monday. You had a rough day Monday, bud? Yeah, had a rough day behind the wheel Monday. You know what it would have helped you out? Well, a, a good burger. A good burger and, through, and a, I through a drive-thru window. a good window. burger, yeah. There we go. I had, a, I had a Wendy's burger yesterday, and it was pretty good. There you go. So, yeah. so what's your go-to, though? Yeah, you like having the homemade burgers. Everyone prefers a homemade well, burger, yeah, you could, yeah. I mean, let's face it. You can make it better at home than any of the fast food joints do. I mean, come on. But that's seriously. not the question. Yeah, I know. But I just love throwing a wrench in the works when I come in here. <laughs> I know you do, but You're a fun guy to mess with. <laughs> uh, out of that list. Um, or, or any list, any fast food place. Wendy's, Rally's, uh, Checkers, Sonic. Burger King, Sonic. I do like the supersonic cheeseburger. It is a tasty burger. And I like to get tots with it. Oh, you're a tots guy. Yeah. Yeah. You have to go with tots. When I go to Sonic, I go with tots as well. Yeah. I prefer their tots over their french fries. Absolutely. I don't prefer them with the this plain, though. I need, like, cheese or something on them. Because they just put well, a little Sonic bit too has, much salt for my liking. They have great cheese tots at Sonic. That's why I, it's the only way I can eat them. I don't like them by themselves because, to me, they put a little bit too much salt that I'm like, all I'm pissing is just like a rock of salt, I feel like, Ooh. when I eat them. So I don't really care for their tots by themselves. And I feel like right now, like, this despises me. No, <laughs> no, I just I, I, I'm i a big believer when it comes to your, your sides like that with French fries and things like that. If you need condiments to eat them. Then they're not next level. I, I just absolutely not. That's that. That's just my. But I love Tots. You just go to you just need to go to a better Sonic location because, uh, you know, what do you go to? Oh. It does not matter oh. uh, which which fast food chain you go to. You, you're going to have some that are going to oversalt things and others won't. It doesn't matter if it's McDonald's, yeah. Burger King, Wendy's. It doesn't matter. It, it, you're going to have to do that. Now, Whataburger. Do you enjoy Whataburger? Yes, I do. I do enjoy Whataburger. Yeah. I, I like Whataburger. I like Whataburger better than Burger King or McDonald's for damn sure. Oh, uh, yeah, for, for sure. When you go to Whataburger, what you get? The burger. I, I, honestly, I haven't been there in a while. Um, the most recent places that I've had burgers are um, Wendy's, Sonic, and um, Five Guys. Do you get the Raging Cajun Burger from Sonic when it's available? I just get the Super Sonic Cheeseburger. Oh, so you're, so you're not down for the special Raging Cajun Burger that they make? I didn't even know they had it. <laughs> they only have it 
I believe it's just during the football season. It's only during football and I've, season. And I've been scared to actually try it. Like, I've seen it, and I've tempted to do so, but then I don't want to spend the money on the burger and then not like it. They put, like, a little and edible Raging Cajun logo on top of the bun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've had that, but it's been a long time. I forgot. Yeah. I was working for another radio company at the time. <laughs> yes, you were. Because yeah. <laughs> you haven't been with us that long, Steve. That's right. <laughs> I've only been here since, what, January, I guess, right? Yeah, so. I think you only started like one month after I started full-time. Wow. So yeah. There you go. So, you do like Whataburger, but your go-to, once again, if you had to pick, you only could go to one fast food joint, it would be Sonic. Yep, the Supersonic Cheeseburger and Tots. There it is. Producer extraordinaire Hannah Five name, which if you only had to pick one fast food restaurant to get your burger fix on, what is it? It's Whataburger with our mushroom Swiss burger. It's my favorite. Ooh. You don't have it all the time, but I love it. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna say a tie. Oh. I go with Whataburger. They're they're just classic cheeseburger. Even though the melts are amazing, mm-hmm. I go with that. They're just old school, you know, with the mustard on it, the whole nine yards. Or a Whopper if if I don't have four pounds of bun with it. Because it used to not be that way, and if you go to some locations now, it's all bread. If if the Whopper's done right and fresh, it's a beautiful thing. So there you yeah. go. See, but that's a great thing about Wendy's. The meat sticks out of the bun. You like that. Because it's a square oh, yeah. patty. Yeah. <laughs> but still, it sticks out of the bun. You know, you like the meat to be bigger than the bun. Yes, that's always a plus. Yeah. Nothing more frustrating than... Going and going, where, where, you know, where's going. the beef? Where's the beef? I, I almost said uh, we got the meats. I was like, wait, that's like Arby's, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, never mind, just kidding. <laughs> Wrong restaurant. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate you. your time. As always, brother for Steve Wiley and the producer extraordinaire. That does it for our foodie poll question of the week roundtable discussion that we do every Wednesday here. We got to take a timeout. When we come back here on RP3 and Company, we're going to talk New Orleans Saints football for the Big Easy Blitz. Catherine Terrell from ESPN will join us. That's next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Houdan is ready for Saints talk. They give the Camara. Breaks through. Spins at the two. Into the end zone. Touchdown. Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company. Saints are taking part in joint practices right now with the Green Bay Packers, who they face Friday night in preseason action up there in Lambeau. Things got intense yesterday. Good joint practices. Saints defense got after it, as we heard reports from. And the defense is probably going to lead this team. To break down what's going on in training camp, what's going on in this preseason, and give us the latest updates here on the Big Easy Blitz, is... Catherine Terrell, formerly of The Athletic, currently now with ESPN. Catherine, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing uh, very well. So let's uh, dive right in. The Saints wanted to find someone that was a reliable backup quarterback. They didn't have one last year. Trevor Simeon, Taysom Hill, Ian Book just didn't get the job done. It sure does seem like they got their guy now in Andy Dalton, doesn't it? Well, 
It, it does, but I am kind of laughing because, um, like, training camp can skew the narrative on things so well. And so, you know, I'm just reading what people are saying and all of that. And suddenly people are so high on Andy Dalton from a preseason game and a few days of, of good practice that it, it's kind of almost like, well, he's the greatest backup ever. And I'm like, you know, I've covered Andy Dalton for a long time, and he is very good. And there is a reason that the Saints went and got him. But, um, man, it's training camp uh, just kind of, I think, either it goes one extreme or another. I'm sure you've seen that all the time. Uh, with how people talk about players every year. It's kind of funny. Does that speak to how good Andy Dalton's look, Catherine, or does it speak to how bad the backup quarterbacks were last year? No, I mean, I think it does. Well, probably both. I think it does speak to how he's looked. He has looked very good, but, you know, we're we're still talking a week of training camp and a, um, 10 snaps in a preseason game. So, you know, I think it's it's a different story if he's the full-time – if he has to be the full-time starter this year if Jameis Winston is hurt. Now, this is not me saying anything bad about Andy Dalton. Like I said, I covered him, and I think when he's good, he's really good. Um, but, you know, I think sometimes people uh, kind of come out of training camp with, uh, wow, this guy's a superstar, and then it, it doesn't happen. Not usually with more established players, but usually with, you know, like guys that are just barely making the roster – but I think compared to last year, it is miles away. You know, Andy is a capable veteran. I do think if it comes to that, he can win games for them. And I think it makes complete sense why they needed to go after him. Because last year, once Winston went down, it was just a whole different story for the Saints. And, um, you know, going through four quarterbacks will do that. But still, uh, it was a big upgrade. Jameis Winston, uh, he was back at practice but didn't really go through a ton of drills or anything like that. Uh, when do we expect to see him uh, back in action? Is, is he going to get any preseason uh, action in, do you believe, the rest of the way, the next two games, or no? I would be surprised if he plays in this game. Maybe the last preseason game uh, probably depends on how much they think he needs it. Uh, it's kind of – a little similar to Dalton when, when he played last week, I didn't really expect him to play much uh, because well, at this point, obviously now, right now he's the number one quarterback until Winston gets back. You can't get him hurt. But, you know, I, I thought, okay, they don't really need to see much from Dalton because they, they can see it at practice. Winston, pretty much the same thing. I mean, the only thing that's different is, you know, he's coming off that ACL tear. So you do want him to get, some time with the starters in a game situation. Uh, but I think it's more important for him to be healthy. So, again, maybe the last game, but I don't know. I definitely wouldn't hold my breath for this week. Michael Thomas, are we going to see him at 100% for the season opener, yes or no? I, I think so. He looks great. I think the biggest thing about him is that he looks consistent. You know, I was saying a few minutes ago, people come out of training camp with crazy expectations either way. Either they think the player is terrible or they think he's great. And sometimes that can happen just from a few good days. But the big thing about Michael Thomas is every single day he's looking better. He's looking consistent. He's doing everything that needs to be done. And so the whole body of work this camp makes me 
uh, have a lot of positive thoughts about where Thomas is headed. You know, obviously it's been a long time since he's played in a game, but I think he's on the right path. And so if he's not 100% um, by the start of the season, then, you know, then something went wrong. I mean, because I think he should be, it, it, barring no setbacks. We're talking with Catherine Terrell of ESPN. She covers the New Orleans Saints. Let's talk about running back. The Alvin Kamara situation, the hearing keeps getting pushed around. A lot, lots of expectations are that's not going to get resolved during the season. What do you make of the depth behind him, though? Let's say AK gets to play for the whole year, Catherine. Mark Ingram's going to be the number two. What about the rest of the guys? Dwayne Washington, Tony Jones Jr., Abram Smith. How does that all pan out, in your opinion, right now? Uh... (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess I have stuff to say about each one of them. Dwayne Washington looks good uh, in the game the other night, but, you know, Dwayne Washington is has been a special teams guy primarily for years. I don't really expect that to change now. Uh, Tony Jones was one of those guys I was talking about, came out of camp really looking great last year, uh, really didn't translate that to the regular season, uh, could take a step forward this year, and I, obviously that's the hope for them. Um, I think I had a lot of hope for Abram Smith when he signed with him as an undrafted rookie. I still think he's got a long way to go, uh, put the ball on the ground uh, in the game the other day. But I think he's got a lot of potential. Uh, so really, the, the big question is Mark Ingram. Um, how many years does he have left? How does he play this year? I think he and Kamara always made a great duo. I mean, that's no secret. But, you know, Ingram is 32 now, which is, uh, pretty old for running back, which is hilarious because I'm 32. Um, so it really just depends on how many years they can get out of him. If you get a good season out of Ingram, I, mean, I think he and Kamara can work really well together again, but I, I think it's a question mark. Wide receiver behind Thomas, Alave, and Landry. How's that battling out to who's going to be, I guess, Hardy as well? He'd be the number four. <laughs> Uh, the battle to be the five and six wide receivers kept on this roster. How's that shaping out? Shaking out, rather. Well, I think uh, this wide receiver group is a huge upgrade. Obviously, just having Thomas back changes everything. Uh, I think the in- interesting thing is Marquez Callaway. Uh, he kind of came out of camp last year as the number one by default. I mean, there was really no one left. But Callaway's had a pretty quiet. Uh, preseason. Um, so not really sure where they're going to go with him. I think though that he's going to make the roster, but it just shows you how much can change in a year. I think, you know, Traquan can block well, and that's a big thing for him, but he played a lot of snaps in the game the other night and had a drop or an apparent drop on that potential touchdown. So, you know, with those two, I think there's still question marks, but overall, I think it's a huge upgrade, and if Winston stays healthy, I really think that their offense can be good this year. Let's switch over to the defensive side of the football. Seems like Peyton Turner maybe has, I don't want to say pressure, Catherine, but definitely you've heard comments from some of his teammates that he's you know, going to have to step it up and, and have to kind of you know, deliver in year number two. How key is he to that defensive line's depth and their rotation for him to be able to play well and stay healthy? Well, I would say there's a lot more pressure on Marcus Davenport to deliver. Um, I think with all the injuries and things like that, I think this is a huge year for him. 
Um, and he really needs to stay healthy. Obviously, we didn't get to see much of Peyton Turner last year because he only played five games with that shoulder injury. But I think both of those guys are extremely talented when they're healthy. You saw that when Davenport was on the field and the number of sacks uh, he racked up very quickly. And I think Turner last year had a good training camp. I was impressed with him. I think he's having a good training camp again this year. So I think that this could be the year that he gets to, you know, show what he can do outside of training camp. But, again, it just all depends on health. Uh, But, you know, so far, so good with him. I think he's done a lot of good things. Um, I'm not in Green Bay, but I think that he made some nice plays there, too. So I've definitely seen, I think, some growth from him this summer. Lots of talk about Paulson Adebo kind of being the star of training camp. He's really taken his game to another level. What's so noticeable about the player that you saw and covered last year compared to the guy that you're seeing in camp right now? Well, last year he, he was another guy that got his position by default. Uh, they went through a ton of cornerbacks. Uh, couldn't find a starter next to Lattimore. Patrick Robinson retired. There was just a lot of issues, and they had to go trade for Bradley Roby, and Roby couldn't play week one. So essentially they started Debo because they had no other choice. I think he had overall a good year. I mean, he played every game, showed a lot of talent. But, you know, it wasn't a situation where I was 100% sold that he wouldn't be pushed by some competition this year. And I think training camp this year is noticeably different. I think he's taken that job and ran with it. He makes plays consistently every day. I'm really excited about watching him this season because I think more than anyone maybe he could take a big step in his second year. Who else has stood out to you on that side of the football that's having a good camp, having a good preseason? Uh, I mean, I think we've, you know, talked about most of them. Uh, uh, Peyton Turner was one. Uh, I think uh, linebackers definitely have a depth issue, so haven't seen too much from them except Chase Hansen, who was recently re-signed, had a great play in camp. Uh, sorry, not camp. Uh, in the preseason game the other night. Uh, just trying to go through them in my head. Um, you know, I think Cam Jordan has had a decent camp. Um, I think we're looking forward to seeing more from Tyron Matthew. You know, some of these guys have been hurt or come to camp late. So, you know, I think the defensive line can be good. Carl Granderson has looked good. Uh, just kind of depends on if they move forward or not, you know. Catherine, appreciate your time. As always, enjoy the rest of the preseason. We'll talk to you when the season arrives. Be safe in your travels, and thank you so much for your time. All right. Thanks for having me on. That's Catherine Terrell of ESPN, formerly of The Athletic. She covers the New Orleans Saints, joining us here for the Big Easy Blitz. Hey, are you sick and tired of that constant pain in your knees or your hips or your back, especially this time of year? You need to be moving pain-free, right? Look, it's time for you to check out QC Kinetics. They're helping people here every day, giving them lasting pain relief using the latest advances in regenerative medicine. The science is simple. They concentrate your own body's healing agents and apply them to your aching joints, restoring and repairing damaged tissue with no drugs, no steroids, and guess what? No surgery. Listen, the old remedies for pain are not the only remedies. You need to learn more about how regenerative medicine at QC Kinetics can change your life. Make this the last summer you suffer from chronic pain. 
They've got clinics here and all over America. This is an exciting new natural way to deal with joint pain with no side effects and no downtime. Call QC Kinetics right now for a free consultation. That's 337-243-4222. That's 337-243-4222. We got to take our final time out of today's show. We'll get you set up for footnotes with Kevin Foote. And finalize that poll question of the day. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Uh, let's get the final results on the poll question of the day. It was our foodie poll question of the week. What's your go-to fast food burger joint? Winning the vote. It was heated. 41% say water burger, 36% say others, 13% says Burger King, and 10% says McDonald's. Thanks to all who voted on the poll question of the day. Left your comments, both colorful and not so colorful. I want to take a moment to thank our guest, Ron Higgins, the mad dog from Tiger Details, talking all things LSU. I want to thank Dustin the Diamond Poirier, former UFC lightweight interim champion and Catherine Terrell from ESPN. For the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah, five names. I'm Raymond Parch the third. This show will do it all again tomorrow with guest host Jim Gazzolo as I'll be in Chicago for a seminar. Make sure to stay tuned for that. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote in Footnotes is up next right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.